Welcome to the Relentless Grace Podcast. This church has left the building. Your host is Pastor Paula Mamel. Welcome to Relentless Grace, a podcast for people who are seeking an authentic, unbridled faith connection with Jesus that is relevant in the 21st century. Whether you have been bruised by organized religion and walked away, or are still engaged but looking for a way to deepen your spiritual journey, Relentless Grace is a podcast to connect with your spirit. Each week, I try to make connections between the timeless Word of God and the reality of our everyday lives through reflections on the Word and ways to implement your faith in your daily life. This show is seeking to provide a re-communion of seekers, doubters, stayers, and leavers with the power of the Holy Spirit outside the walls of a congregation. This church has left the building. This week on Relentless Grace, we are continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer. Today, we are looking at the passage, Lead Us Not Into Temptation, or as I discuss in my message, my preferred version of it, Save Us from the Time of Trial. God does not cause temptation. God does not lead us there. But when we trust in God and believe in God, God provides all of the tools we need to survive what tempts us, to either be driven to points where we have false belief that we are God, or when we are full of despair that there is no God. In both of those places, God is present with us and gives us all that we need to be able to survive whatever happens to us in life. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, from the New Revised Standard Edition. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and God will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, God will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, from the New Revised Standard Edition. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not clash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to Jesus, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. 
Sometimes I've been asked whether I prefer the old version of the Lord's Prayer, the one that we know as Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, versus the newer version, which is Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Generally, I prefer the older one. It's a personal issue, but to be honest, because I do a lot of funerals, I have found that having a common language for faith moments can be very helpful, even if it is sometimes a bit archaic. I like the fact that we can use all of the same words and be united in faith with something that connects with people all around us. It's meaningful at a time of death to be united in prayer, and having that old version can sometimes be nice, because there is a sense of comfort. That said, there is one part of the newer Lord's Prayer that I vastly prefer to the older one. In the older version, it says, lead us not into temptation. And I don't like that. I don't like the image that it gives of a God who is leading us into temptation, because I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that God is the cause of temptation ever. In the scriptures, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Jesus was not tempted by God. Jesus was tempted by the devil, by the powers and forces of evil. Temptations are things that are not good that are not positive, that are not of God. And so to say, lead us not into temptation is saying, God, don't take us to a place where we shouldn't be going. And that's not what God is going to do. Just like any parent is not going to take their child to a place that's going to cause their child danger and pain, God does not lead us into temptation. That comes from external forces which is why I much prefer the more modern version, save us from the time of trial. The focus and the emphasis of both of these are radically different. One has God as the agent of what's wrong and what's bad, and the other has God as the one who is sustaining us in the midst of it. And the result of that is radically different. It's one of the reasons that I don't like the idea of people saying everything happens for a reason. Like God is a mastermind putting things together so that we can go through things and then find things out and discover them. By understanding God as the one who saves us from those times of trial, rather than looking at God as the source of what is painful and difficult, we can turn to God as the one who gives us hope and sustenance in the midst of it. That's exactly what happened to Jesus while he was being tempted in the wilderness. He wasn't being tempted by God. He was being tempted by the devil. And when that happened, Jesus turned to the word of God to give him strength, to give him hope, and to give him centering in the midst of that temptation. By being able to turn to God as the one who gives us that strength, it radically alters how we understand the role of God in all of the difficulties of our lives. I actually attribute a lot of bad theology to that original version of the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, because it sets up that vision of God causing it. The same can be said about the text from 1 Corinthians. It says, No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and God will not let you be tested beyond your strength, 
But with testing, God will provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. See, some people might see that as God is the one who's the master puppeteer creating it. But what I read here is that God sees the testing that happens in the world and will give us the strength to deal with it. God sees it and says, okay, this is happening because it's common to everyone. It's part of the world we live in. There are times of tempting. There are times of testing. And when that happens, we can turn to God and God promises us that we can find our way out of it. And so it changes that God is the one that we look to for hope. God no more desires temptation than a parent sending their child off to school hopes that they will get bullied so that they will learn to toughen up and get stronger. No parent who's good in their right mind wants that. But we allow our children to go to school and potentially be bullied because we know that we have to allow them free will. We have to allow them to live their lives. And hopefully, as good parents, we've given our children the tools that they need to deal with the pain and the hurt of an unfair world. And that's what God does for us. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this text. And what are the biggest temptations we face? Well, I really, really like Luther's interpretation of those temptations. Luther, in his small catechism, wrote, It is true that God tempts no one. But we ask in this prayer that God would preserve and keep us, so that the devil, the world, and our flesh may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great and shameful sins and that, although we may be attacked by them, we may finally prevail and gain the victory. I love that interpretation. I think it really speaks to what the biggest temptations we face are and God's role in it. We can learn that from how Jesus dealt with the temptations in the wilderness, because we all face temptations. But the biggest temptations we face are two types of temptations. The first is false belief, believing in ourselves rather than in God's promises, or believing that God only goes part of the way and we must go the rest. For Jesus in the wilderness, that was the temptation from the devil, telling him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down and let the angels catch you. The idea that he could tempt God with the false belief that he was in control, as well as the temptation to take the powers of the world and take and control everything. Jesus knew that that wasn't what God wanted him to do. He trusted God and said, don't put the Lord your God to the test. The devil was trying to get Jesus to rely on himself, to say, I can do it. That concept of the self-made man, and I use the word man intentionally, the idea that we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Because when we are in the presence of God, we have no bootstraps. God is the one who pulls us up. False belief tells us we can do it on our own. That's why the very first step of Alcoholics Anonymous and all 12-step programs is recognizing that you have to begin to surrender, that you have to give up your belief that you can do it on your own, because we can't. We are not able, but God is able. 
And the temptation happens when we rely purely on ourselves and we don't do it on our own and we don't believe that we've taken care of it. The essence of this temptation is built up in that idea of the American dream and, quite frankly, becomes problematic when people want to apply that to others. The belief that people can just take care of it on their own. As I talked about with the Daily Bread petition, there's enough food in the world for everyone. The temptation is to believe that we live in a time of scarcity. The challenge is to recognize that God has given us all that we need and we need to share it. Believing somehow that it's up to us, that I can do it. The moments of my life that have been the most profound have been those moments when everything else has fallen away. When I do not have enough and I just have to lean into God. The times in my life when I've been caught up in hubris, in pride, in belief in myself that I am able and capable and amazing. And sometimes when that's happened, I've been cut to my knees. I've been humbled. I've been brought down. Not by God, but by my own reliance on me. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not worthy and beloved and all those other things. That's not what this is about. This is about the temptation to think that we can do it alone, because we can't. One of my favorite phrases is that God is my crutch, because I can't walk through life on my own. I need to lean on something else. And the temptation is to believe that somehow that makes me weak. And it doesn't. It actually makes me stronger, because it's not about me. It's about God. But the second type of temptation that we face is one that leads us to despair. The temptation to lose heart in the face of problems and troubles, to feel hopeless and helpless, to think that there is no hope. The temptation to despair was exactly what happened to Jesus when he was tempted by the devil with the stone and to turn it into bread. It was to believe that there was no hope, that he was going to go hungry, that he wasn't able to have what he needed to survive. And so he turned to the word of God and recognized that God would provide all of his needs according to God's riches and mercy. The trust that God will not allow us to go to a place where the grace of God will not keep us. That means no matter how low you are, no matter where you are, you will not be abandoned by God. My confirmation verse is Psalm 16, verse 1. Preserve me, O Lord, for I put my trust in you. And part of Psalm 16 is that God will not abandon me to the pit. In my life, at those times when I have been in the pit, when I've been absolutely at my bottom, the temptation is to say there is no hope. But God says there is hope. There is light. There is promise. God doesn't let us go. So in our lives, when we are tempted to either believe that we are God or we need to be God or that there is no God, this reminds us that there is a God and God will be with us wherever we go, wherever we journey, whatever happens to us. Those are the two key temptations. 
And when we pray, save us from the time of trial, it is a prayer to invite God into our lives at the times of complete abandonment, as well as those times when we think we can do it on our own. It's two sides of the same coin. We are reminded again and again by God that God is going to be with us and give us everything we need to deal with whatever life gives to us. Does that mean everything's going to be happy and wonderful? Absolutely not. But what it means is that in the midst of everything, we can still find joy. When we surrender ourselves to God and throw ourselves into God's providence and trust. This, for me, is probably one of the most personal stories because I have lived it. I have seen it again and again. During times when things have happened to me, sometimes the result of my own actions and sometimes the result of actions of others, God has never said, tough to be you, Paula. I'm going to leave you now because that doesn't happen. Nothing happens that God is not going to be there to give us the strength to deal with it. We just have to trust. We just have to believe. We have to take that leap of faith that Kierkegaard talked about. Not necessarily seeing the outcome, but trusting in it. And the way that we can do that is to look to others in their lives who have been through times of difficulty and know that we have seen God working through them. And that's what I'm going to talk about in the Community Connection. Having those times written out for us and being aware of them so that when we go through temptation, we can find hope. We can find trust in God when it feels absolutely impossible. God doesn't cause anything bad. God doesn't try to tempt us. But God allows us to experience the brokenness of the world in our own lives and tells us Jesus will be there to sustain us and to keep us and to love us. So whether you are struggling with a false belief that you need to be God, or despair that there is no God, God will be there to give you all you need. Because Paul was right. God provides the way out so that we may be able to endure whatever life gives us. Amen. God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Under the shadow of your throne, your saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is your arm alone, and our defense is sure. Before the hills in order stood, or earth received its frame, from everlasting you are God, to endless years the same. A thousand ages in your sight are like an evening gone. Short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. Time like an ever-rolling stream soon bears us all away. We fly forgotten as a dream, 
dies at the opening day. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Still be our guard while troubles last, and our eternal On today's Community Connection, I'd like you to put together something that will help you to deal with times of temptation. To put together a list that reminds you of God's presence during those times when you are tempted, either by false belief or despair. To do that, I invite you to reflect on either your life or the lives of people that you know and respect around you, or perhaps great people in history. I think the advantage of doing it with people that you know personally makes it a little bit easier because sometimes when we put up these great people of history, we think, well, they could do it because they're amazing people, but I'm never going to be Mother Teresa. I'm never going to be Joan of Arc. I'm never going to be Desmond Tutu. And we can look at their lives and learn from them. But I think finding times in your life when you felt utterly, completely hopeless and you saw God's presence, putting that down, Or else those people that you know who went through terrible difficulties and yet you saw God's providence work through their life. One of the reasons that I try to be open and honest about the difficulties in my life is because I think it can be helpful to others to see that you don't have to have perfect seamless lives and God is still faithful. So I invite you to think about times in your life where you thought, oh my gosh, there was no way out. This was absolutely hopeless. And then write down how you saw God work through that, when you leaned into God, when you trusted God. And if you haven't had that in your life, think about those around you where you have seen it. People around you where you have seen God provide ways where you saw no way, hope where you saw no hope. These don't have to be profound. They can be relatively simple. Maybe someone went through a job loss that at the time looked absolutely horrific, but a year later, they were happier and more content than they ever had been. Maybe it was someone who went through some struggles with their family, and trusting God in the process, God was able to find redemption. Now, these don't mean that they have to be perfect stories. People die, relationships end, pain happens. But what God does and what God promises is that in the midst of that, God is going to be there providing places for healing and hope. When we have those incidences written down in our life, we can turn to those during those times when we're tempted, either believe that we have to do it on our own, or those times when we feel that there is no hope. There's a phrase that says, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. I think the converse is also true. I think when we remember the past that is positive, we know that God will repeat that. That the chorus goes on again and again, the chorus of amazing grace, of relentless grace, of a God who has relentless grace that holds on to us. And so by taking the opportunity to write down and recall that we have a tangible record to look at, we have a physical reminder so that our mind does not play tricks on us. In my life, when I've gone through challenges and difficulties, I have seen that our God, who is our hope in ages past, is our help in years to come. 
And when that becomes the way in which we approach life, we can see and experience the presence of God during those difficult times. So remember, your God was your hope in ages past. Write it down. Remember it. And know that that God, no matter what temptation you face, will be your help in years to come. Thank you for joining me today for Relentless Grace. You may have noticed, if you are a regular subscriber, that they are not coming out every Wednesday as I previously did. There have been a couple of problems with the server and uploading things that have caused a slight change in schedule. In the upcoming weeks, I am going to try to revise the schedule a bit so that we will still have a regular podcast, but it may not come out on each Wednesday. I have found that as I am working a call right now and also attending to some other issues, it's hard to get one out each and every week exactly, simply because of the amount of time and energy each episode takes. I remain committed to making it a regular broadcast, and I will be letting you know in the near future what the schedule will be. I have to be able to balance both my ability to do my work as well as the podcast. I am grateful for those of you who continue to support this ministry. It is an incredibly time-consuming effort and one to which I am completely devoted. And those who are supporting it, either through Patreon, the link that is connected in the notes, or by Venmoing me at PVMamel, or those who have contacted me and sent checks with support. That money allows me to pay for the expenses with the server and the various items that are needed, and also allow me to continue to take the time and the energy to devote to this ministry. It means a great deal to me. As I said, in the coming weeks, I will let you know the schedule that I will be doing this on in the future. Today, I am grateful for the help that I have received. Dan McKnight, the announcer, Gabrielle Brown, who read the scriptures, Cammie Wenberg, who again provided wonderful music, and Ruth Skinner, who sings the closing song. I send you out with a blessing. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. May you know that joy that comes from the relentless grace of God, even as you face times of trial, knowing God does not cause them, but is present with you in them, and that God desires for you to truly go out in joy. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. There'll be shouts of joy and all the trees of the field will clap, will clap their hands. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. The trees of the field will clap their hands. The trees of the field will